Do you remember seeing the first puck drop? Those emotions when a player scores. The cheers from the fans and the feeling when your favorite player shoots and scores. Your hockey heroes laced up their skates, taped up their sticks, and hit the ice. Remember the passion they played with. The passion you felt with every game. Win or lose. Now, you can rekindle those memories with hockey players of the past. Get insights on how they felt on and off the ice. Hear interviews from coaches, referees, and thoughts from their fans. This is the Old Time Hockey UK Podcast with your host, Ken Abbott. Hi guys, welcome to the Old Time Hockey UK podcast. Whether you're a first-timer or a long-timer, it's great to have you here. I'm your host, Ken Abbott, and if you're like me and love listening to hockey memories, stories and anecdotes from the past, then you're exactly in the right place. In today's show, I chat with former Aviemore Blackhawks, Nottingham Panthers and Peterborough Pirates forward Kenny MacDonald. Kenny talks of... Life growing up in the Aviemore Scottish Ski Centre. Moving to the Nottingham Panthers. His wheelchair goal-scoring celebrations. Nearly dying of dehydration during a charity run. And last but definitely not least, his long-term friendship with the wee man who knocked his tooth out with a butt end. All this and much more coming up in this episode. So stick around, my chat with Kenny is coming right up. However, before that, could you help support the podcast and join our exclusive list of Patreon patrons that help keep the show alive? Take a look at our Patreon page at www.oldtimehockeyuk.com forward slash Patreon. That's www.oldtimehockeyuk.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You'll also find some terrific reward gifts on offer in return for your support of the show. Okay, it's time. Let's buckle up, press the whoosh button, and let's go talk to Kenny MacDonald. Hi, Kenny. Thanks for coming on the Old Time Hockey UK podcast. Thanks for inviting me, Ken. And no problem. It's good to have you on the show. Before going on air, you mentioned that you're the son of former Scottish ice skating champion, Jill Patterson. So basically, ice skating is definitely in the blood then. Well, it's in the blood. It's in, uh, yeah. Uh, well, as I say, we were, uh, well, I was taught to skate around about two and a half, three. Yeah. And uh, that's when it all kind of kicked off. Right. Yeah. I see that as a six-year-old, the family moved from Glasgow to the highland town of Aviemore, famous for its winter sports resort. What do you remember about growing up there? Well, I mean, oh, well, actually, I went skating across my loop. Yeah. And then we moved from there, and I went to uh, actually ski at uh, Ruka Glen. I think some of the Glasgow people know where that is. It's one of okay, the parks. Okay, I have no idea, but carry on. <laughs> one of the parks, anyway. <laughs> yeah. But then, as I say, when we moved up, I mean, that was our memories of Alvy Moore was just like it was, it was just like a, a kid's playground because we had yeah. our swimming or skiing or skating. You had everything there for us. Wow, yeah. My mum had a chance to go to Aviemore or go to Canada. And, uh, you know, I used to wind it up. I said, why didn't you pick Canada? I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> but we enjoyed it. And the, and the life we had in Aviemore was, to, yeah, I, would, I would do it all again. Growing up, you must have had a new adventure every day. 
Oh, I mean, where we actually live in the village, I mean, we walked out of the house and we're right onto the, well, we classed it as a horse's field, which used to be the old golf course years and years ago. Yeah. And uh, we could just walk across there into the centre and, and that was us. We were there for the day doing everything. Wow. Skating, yeah. swimming, doing whatever. Being a mischief for just a uh, kid, like, as I say, when we're that age, you, you just got away with murder. <laughs> as kids tend to do, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, um... Let's move on and talk about your hockey career. The earliest my research takes me is the 1980-81 season, where as a 19-year-old, you played 19 games for the Aviemore Blackhawks, scoring 14 goals and four assists. Can you remember much about that season? Uh, well, yeah, yes and no. Uh, I think that was the, the, the year... Um, I think Robin Andrews was here at that time as well. I don't oh, know yeah. if Robin played then. We had a couple of imports that joined us through the through the season. Yeah. But our main thing was we played uh, summer league, and I think prior to that, I think it was about three years prior to that, uh, the summer leagues were ongoing in Aviemore. Right. Yeah. That 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 season was like that's us playing against the big boys, really. You know, yeah. when you think about it. Uh, but prior to that, through the junior junior hockey, we played against a, a lot of the guys that were actually in the senior games. I remember playing a game against uh, Murrayfield. Oh, yeah. I think it was uh, the goalie for Murrayfield was uh, John Pula. And I remember we got beat, I think we got beat 16-1. I'm not sure who scored the goal, but I remember checking him behind the net and skating away for my life because he used to chase <laughs> me, chase me around the rink with this, right. with his stick and with a, like a hatchet and all the big guys like Stan Watt and these guys had to protect me. But that was when you could actually hit the goalies. You could hit anybody. Uh, never did it again though. <laughs> Lesson learned, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the following season, 1981-82, you decided to move south of the border when you signed for the Nottingham Panthers. Now, that must have been a big decision for a young man to make. What's the story? How did it all happen? Well, we, we played um, we played the Summer League uh, in Aviemore, and I think that season, Dougie Withenshaw joined the team. Yeah. I think he played the league uh, as well with us. And... My friend uh, Randy McClinchy, he played too, but then he went. So we played the Summer League, and after we played the Summer League, Dougie Withenshaw and John Bremer mentioned that, oh, there's a chance they went down to uh, Nottingham. So that was the end of August, they went down to Nottingham and uh, kept in contact with them. And Dougie and John had said, like, you know, you should get your butt down here and come and have a skate down here with the guys. I was working with my stepfather as, uh, as a butcher, so I was finishing off my butchering. Oh, yeah. So I thought, oh, well, I'll take a chance. So I went down the middle of September and had a skate with them. Took my gear down on the train. Yeah. Uh, went and had a skate. Had a week or so down there. And then Les and Gary says, right, you know, we'd like you to join the team. I said, right, I can be down in two weeks. <laughs> so so that was Les Strongman and Gary Keywood, wasn't yes, it? Yes, that's right, yeah. That was it. That was, that was my eyes open. Done my butchering. I had my four years under my belt. I could use that anywhere I wanted to. Not on the ice. I didn't dare not ask. I didn't use any butchering on the ice. <laughs> so you say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it might be the odd chop. <laughs> not a pork chop, just the odd chop. <laughs> yeah. I gather you made yeah. a very impressive home debut. Well, the, the day I left, it was, a, it was a Friday night. As I say, I got the mail train down through the night, having to go through Glasgow, jump one station onto the next station, then all the way down to, uh, I think I ended up in Crewe, and then over to Derby, and then back into Nottingham. So by the time I got to Nottingham, it was about midday-ish. I left some of my stuff in a, a locker at the station, jumped on my bike, because I took my bike with me. Oh, yeah. My racing bike, and cycled to um, West Bridgeford, where John and Doogie were staying. They had rented a house and we all stayed in that house. 
and I borrowed a tracksuit from John, this lime green, one of the yuckiest coloured tracksuits I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And I just went away for a cycle for a couple of hours. And then he said, uh, oh, we've got to be at the rink for half past five. I says, half past five? I thought the game was seven. But oh no, it's for warm up. Yeah. You couldn't take it in that you had to be there an hour and a half before a game. Right. But as, as the years went on, you needed that hour and a half. You know, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. That was, I think it was even ours we played that night and uh, ended up had five goals and one assist uh, in my first game for Nottingham. So I enjoyed it. It was good. As you say, not a bad home debut. Yeah, I suppose it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like playing in front of a sold out Nottingham ice rink every game? Oh, that first game, I mean, uh, you, you had the heebie-jeebies. You know, yeah. you go on there in the warm-up and you could see that maybe a quarter of the place was full. And you think, oh, wow, that's that's a lot of people. Compared to playing in Aviemore, I think the most we ever had in Aviemore was about 300. Right, yeah. And that was, that. And we thought that was huge. Um, <laughs> but stepping out on the warm-up, then you had to go back in again. I thought, where are we going? We normally had an Aviemore, you had the warm-up, you're straight into the game. Yeah. So you come off the ice, to clean the ice again, and then you come back on. But being the new guy, you're the last guy on the ice. Sure, that's right. And it was, as soon as they put the lights out and then they put the light on, it was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. My helmet, I'm sure it was strapped to me, but I think it was stuck in the roof when I got on the ice. <laughs> it was immense. Uh, but, you know, 2,800 people screaming. And that's you right. think, wow. It took, it, took a few, it took a few shifts to get kind of into the swing of things because you were still so overawed by the amount of people yeah. in, the, in the stadium. I've never had that before, and that that was the, that was an eye opener. Um, yeah, certainly a special atmosphere. That is oh, for sure unbelievable. And then when you find out the majority of them are um, season ticket holders, it was yeah. even better, you know. Oh, that's right. From a Panthers fan as I am, yeah. it was always a bit of a feat to get wow. tickets. You know, they were snapped up so quickly. People used to actually queue the night before those tickets went on sale to yeah. get tickets. It was incredible. And then after the games on a, on a Saturday, I think it was a Monday morning that they, they were on sale for the following week or for two weeks' yeah. time, and you could see them on a Monday morning all lining right round the rink waiting for tickets. And I'm thinking, these guys not work. <laughs> 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 you know? uh, crazy, crazy, crazy times. But uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, moving a little bit, and your first season was actually limited, wasn't it? Just to eight games. What happened? Oh, injuries. Yeah. When I first got down there and played, then I uh, hurt my hips, and uh, I think it was the first part of the, the season. Then yeah. I was uh, I had another injury in the January, so that put me out for a wee while. Yeah. And then I came back on, and we were warming up, and I can't remember the game, but. Timmy Peacock was in the game and uh, we were in the warm-up and the two of us collided in the warm-up oh, right. and I ended up in uh, University Hospital because oh. I damaged my uh, shoulder. Yeah, I remember Jack taking me to the hospital. I, I went on the Monday to see a specialist. I thought I'd get back to the game, but there's no chance of that on the Saturday night. So on the Monday, we went to a specialist and we were there with this, this guy and he says, uh, oh, yes, I've seen these injuries in rugby. That's a minimum eight to 12 weeks. And I'm thinking, end of January, I'm going February, March. Team's going to Canada, beginning of April. I ain't going to make it. Right. And I start, I kind of argue with the guy. And Jack says, no, no, just calm down. Just, just leave it. Don't say anything. So I was back on the ice after about five or six weeks max. Right, yeah. Because uh, Rosemary, uh, Jack's wife, he was a physio. That's Jack Hardcastle, I think. Wasn't Jack it? Hardcastle, yeah. yeah. And Rosemary Hardcastle, they were involved with the team back then. And Rosemary, she was doing all the physio and that, and she put me through an intense program for that period of time, and I came out of that a lot stronger than I was before it happened, before wow. the accident happened. So, you know, yeah, everything that Rosemary put me back on the 
on the scene um, and then played the last few games. I think it was in the March and then we all took off to Canada for two weeks. It was great. Right, yeah. Okay, so who were the main characters in that Panthers team? Can you remember? Uh, back then, well, <laughs> you had Mark Kaysen. He was playing defence. Uh, that was, uh, he was some, he was, he was a cracking guy. Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to remember, uh, you know, you, you, Russ Timmons, he was another funny guy. I enjoyed Russ. He was, he was good fun. Yeah. And I think it was just, well, it was myself. There was Daryl Eason, uh, he, um, Higgins, Paul Higgins. Cause Paul Higgins. Myself and Paul Higgy, we played, uh, we usually the played legend. together. Yeah, we usually played together. So that was good fun. And uh, Dwayne as well. I was a bit disappointed because Dwayne had number 11 and that was my number. So I yeah, ended up Dwayne playing number nine. Yeah, I ended up having to play number nine that season. So maybe that's why I got a lot of injuries. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of a successful second Panthers season, you spent the next year working in Canada. What happened? Yeah, uh, that was, uh, what was that, 82-83. I think the day we all finished off around about the April time. Yeah. Prior to that, I went over to Canada in 82, which was about the beginning of June. Oh, yeah. And my friends in that, uh, Randy McClinchy and Jeff Anderson, uh, they both played that season. Yeah. And uh, they went over and they started up a little restaurant and they asked me to come over, myself and Mick Broadhead. And we went over and had such a hoot for four months. Yeah. And then I ended, I ended up in hospital before I came back, actually, because I, oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a burst in my right ankle. And it burst Ouch. and it poisoned me. So I ended up in the, in the hospital for about a week trying to get rid of the poison out of my system. Yeah. And I remember coming back. That was, uh, I think we came back at the end of September. And the first game back, I, I broke my uh, my wrist. I think it was against Durham. Oh, wow. So I never I never shaved for the rest of the year. So <laughs> it was one of, these, uh, one of these ones. But then, as I say, uh, April 83, I went back. And it was just myself and Randy McClinchy that were... Uh, uh, running the restaurant, which was called Clinchers, right, uh, and a small place called Grand Bend down on uh, Lake Huron, and I stayed for the for supposedly just for that summer. Sure, but I contact Gary Keyword and uh, Vic Butcher. I think it was uh, in the August time to ask them what was happening about coming back for the season. Yeah, because Vic was the uh, sorry to butt in. Uh, yeah. Vic was the uh, the club secretary at secretary, that time. Yeah. And yeah, then he went right. on to form the Ice Hockey News View later on, didn't he? But he was the, the secretary at that time. That's right. Yeah. So I asked them again because I'd asked them my way back in August, and this they couldn't guarantee. Well, when in the in the in the August '83, I asked about coming back, and they said they couldn't guarantee me a place in the team, which I oh, thought wow. was mm, I thought was a bit bad, but never mind. Because that second season was pretty good for you, wasn't it? You had you, you put up yeah. pretty good numbers that yeah, second I had, season. Yeah, uh, yeah, a good season because I skated five times a week through the summer of '82. Yeah, and when I came back, I was in good. I was I was I was starting to get fit, and everything that uh, Rosemary had uh, taught me, if I had any injuries and anything else, I tried to put into place and sure. keep myself in, in good fell. Yeah, but as I say, in uh, that summer of '83, I actually skated more. I used to skate with the, the NHL pros around about the August time before they all went to training camp. Right. So we always had a, a two-hour on a Tuesday night at uh, uh, one of the rinks in London, Ontario, yeah. uh, Nichols Arena. And there was myself and Randy McClinchy and all the rest were all pros. And it was wow. great fun. Great fun. I, I used, bet. Uh, Basil McRae's and your Shanahan's and uh, Stevie Smith's, your Davey Martin Wayne's, all these kind of guys. And it was it was. Well, I was scotchy to them, so that was that was it. <laughs> uh, hi, scotchy. How was your day today? Flipping burgers. That's is great. Wow. So yeah, and then uh, I decided to stay. So I stayed in Canada for that the rest of '83. Yeah. Basically, right until '84. 
played some hockey out there for Intermediate C team in Mitchell and then went and played for a tournament team in the February of 84. Then just skated, as I say, all, all through 84, through the summer again and contacted Nottingham again in the August. Still couldn't guarantee me a place in the team and then that's when I ended up coming to Peterborough. Yeah, I was, I was just looking at that on the research for the 84-85 season. Yeah. You signed for the Peterborough Pirates. So how did that all happen? Yeah, well, as I say, I, I, again, I phoned um, Gary and Vic as well in 84, yeah. and they were saying, again, we can't guarantee a place in the team. And I tried to uh, you know, work my corner by saying, look, I've been skating hard, I've been doing this to keep myself fit and all the rest of it, et cetera, et cetera. But I said, oh, well, that's fine. So as soon as that was over, my brother uh, said that, oh, you might get a chance at Peterborough. And uh, then Johnny Lawless got a hold of me around about the September time. Right. And... With the way things are going with the restaurant things, I says, right, I can't. I'm not available to the end of October. And I think it was the Autumn Cup that started by then. Yeah. And I says, right, I'll be there uh, beginning of November. So that's exactly what I did. I jumped in the flight and flew over. And um, it was a Thursday. And they played a game the weekend before. But to my knowledge, I didn't know how they got on until I was actually in the changing rooms. And then uh, Ron Kiernick had us on the ice there skating for two hours. And I thought, when do we get the packs, guys? <laughs> and we never saw a puck for two hours. And the guys were over the boards puking. He had his skating up and down, drills and all that. He was really, really mad. Yeah. And then I think that was, we never lost a game after that. Wow. Memories, insights, and anecdotes of hockey heroes. The Old Time Hockey UK Podcast. It was a good decision, wasn't it, signing yep. for the Pirates? Because the Pirates finished four points clear of the heavily fancied Solihull Barons to win the Division One League Championship, and that gained yep. your promotion to the Heineken Premier Division. Yep. Those battles with the Solihull Barons were epic, weren't they? Oh, you knew when you came off of that game, you played you'd played a hard game because you know you'd be just bruised from there, from your ankles to your head. Yeah. Because any time you went near the net, you were going to get a chop or a kick <laughs> or a hat, you know. Yeah. No quarter given, eh? Oh, there was none whatsoever back in the day. <laughs> oh, no, none whatsoever. I mean, you, you know, you had all your guys, like your, your Mark Buds and all these boys and everything else. But, um, and then, then you came up against your Chuckies, your Chuck Taylors and everything that's else. That's Chuck Taylor. That, that's, that's like hitting a brick shit house. I'll tell you, right <laughs> front of the net. There's no way you're going to come off better than going up against Chuck. But yeah. the battles were always there and it was good. Sure. It made us actually think more about the game of what you had to do on the ice. Yeah. It wasn't just a game you were playing. I'm not saying it's a game of survival against these guys, but it made you work that wee bit harder, but think that wee bit more. Right, yeah. Be more, I don't know, you just had to be on point more when you played these kind of guys. Yeah, I suppose you didn't know what was coming left well, to your right of you, behind you. Yeah, no, there was that as well. You were always aware, but it, it, became, the, it became the game where, yeah, you're talking about heads up hockey, and it, you had to do that, you know, with these guys because you just don't know what was coming at you. And it made you work, you know, that little bit harder to actually make sure that you don't get in a position where you're going to get hurt. Sure, yeah. You yeah. know, well, apart from one game, which I did get hurt, but hey -ho. <laughs> I think that was a chucky one. Oh, was it? <laughs> All right. Yeah, Charlie Horse and that, that was it. That was the end of the Ow, game for ouch. me. And one of them. Yeah. Yeah, so that would hurt, wouldn't it? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> Okay, so moving on then, and unfortunately, the Pirates' first season in the Premier League was a disaster. They finished rock bottom of the Premier Division with just four points and were relegated back to Division One. Yeah. Any memories 
of that season, or shall we just move on? Uh, no, no, no. I think <laughs> no, no. You can't move on like that. Come on. <laughs> I mean, we just won the, the first division, going into the Premier Division. Yeah, yeah, we knew there was a big step up. But the thing is, we had some guys that played against the the teams that we played against. Yeah. But I think you know, making that step up with who we had. I think there was a lot of changes. There always seems to be like, uh, you know, a coach would try this and it didn't work. And then he was gone. And then there was somebody else was gone. Yeah. And I don't think there was any, I don't think there was any consistency, I think, in that year. I mean, we worked hard and we got yeah. close in some of the games, but there was just the intensity. I don't know. I think it maybe just kind of after the first half of the season, I think it, it was kind of like, let's just hang on to the shirts and see what happens here. Yeah, and you say it, when things start to go wrong, they really do go wrong, don't they? Yeah. When you've got the pressures of the Premier League. I mean, for example, I know David Thorpe resigned yep. after the club had sacked Ron Catenuck. And yep. uh, I also have a note that seven players threatened to walk out and were sacked, yep. and one of them yep. was you. Yeah, I was the. I think I was almost going to try and go to Solihull actually. Yeah, and I think Kevin King was. I think Kevin King and I went over there. We were going to go to Solihull. Yeah, and that's when you, you know, that's when you knew that things weren't going to be right. And yeah, it, it kind of things went kind of I don't know sideways for a while. But then, you know, then then you had the, like some of the directors or people involved with the club. Come on, no, no, let's just stick with it. Stick with yeah. it. And you know, I think hindsight. Yes, we've stuck with it. But then, if I went to Solihull and Kim went to Solihull, where would we be? You know, we wouldn't be able to say that this is what we did. You know, sure. So I think with us riding the storm and getting stuck in, I think that changed us all. And uh, we all think, right, okay, we really need to work harder here to make Peterborough a success. You know, because you were reinstated after that. You came back and uh, obviously yeah. were, were let back into the fold. Yeah, yeah. And then the thing is, I think that made me kind of look into the. Thing about okay, right, I'm going to be here. Let's just do something about it. And, yeah, uh, sure, sure. I think that's you, you, you get an attitude there where you think, well, the harder I work, it's going to try and help the rest of the guys as well at the same time, you know. Yeah. Okay, so moving on again then uh, to the following season, eight six eighty seven, and it was all change for the club because John Lawless had left to form the Cardiff Devils. Steve yeah. Rattle became head coach, and the club brought yeah. in three new imports. And whilst whilst imports Todd Bidner and Doug McEwen were quality signings, the third was definitely the cream of the crop, former NHL star Gary Ironman Unger. But how yeah. good was he? Oh, he... <laughs> Ungi was... Well, we played against him when he was at the at Dundee. Dundee. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, when you play against him, it's almost like playing against an octopus because he just has his arms and legs. I mean, <laughs> you couldn't get near him. You just couldn't right. get near him. So if he put his arm out to hold you back, you ain't getting past him. You, you couldn't move his arms. He was just short. Right. He had, he had real strong arms and then the ability just to see what was going on in the play. And yeah. when he plays, you didn't even know he was going fast, but he was. You know, he moved. But he was always in the right position. Right, yeah. But Ungi, yeah, I mean, when Ungi was signed for the team and that, it was like, wow, you know, you've got the, the Iron Man playing in your team. Yes, we played against him, but... When he's in your team, it's, it becomes totally different. Sure. He, all of a sudden, when you when you meet him, you're in awe with him. But then all of a sudden, he's a member of the team, and it's you know you, you want to do your best and you want to show your best to an NHL guy. 
and sure. say, this is what I can do, you know. <laughs> and uh, Angie and I, every time we had a home game, we always give ourselves a handshake, but it would be just, I was trying to crush his fingers, and well, he would, he'd end up crushing mine. Right. I would always try and do it every time we had a home game. We'd always shake hands before we get into the changing rooms and the layoffs. I'd be, I'd be hanging on there, squeezing as hard as I can, so he didn't hurt my fingers. And we just did that every game, and it was it was great. It was just the camaraderie was brilliant. Yeah. Everybody was on point, and we just worked so hard that year. It was it was great for the listener. Gary earned the Ironman title for playing 914 consecutive NHL regular season games between February 68 and December 79. So he didn't actually miss a game for 11 seasons. For the stat freaks out there, Gary ended the season with 112 goals and 158 assists from 38 games. Todd Bidner had 100 goals and 130 assists from 37 games. Doug McEwen had 87 goals and 129 assists from 38 games. And you, Kenny, also chipped in with 31 goals and 31 assists from 38 games. Todd Bidner talks about his hockey career in Series 1, Episode 27. And I also chat with Gary Unger in Series 3, Episodes 8 and 9. And trust me, they are definitely well worth a listen. OK, let's take a break from your timeline and go to some general questions. So, all players have a favourite funny hockey story to tell. What's yours? Oh, great. You must have hundreds. Well, yeah, maybe a few that I can't <laughs> see, but um, I'm trying to figure out which is going to be the best one. Well, listen, you know, you can tell me anything, Kenny, because nobody's listening. Oh, nobody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Well, I remember one time I said, well, I, well, <laughs> let me think now. Yeah, myself and Kenny McKee and uh, John Teague used to, uh, stayed in the house in uh, Peterborough. Yeah. And uh, my brother, he was still on the RAF, so he was at Wittering. And, uh, well, Kenny, every now and then, myself and Kenny McKee, well, I call him the wee man. Yeah. He always keeps going on about this, but I remember it as well. Uh, when I was working, I was helping out in the, the butcher shop in Peterborough. Oh, yeah. I used to get meat and things like that there, uh, you know, to keep ourselves going and keep ourselves alive and whatever else. So sure. we had good fun. We had good fun. But we had cooked a leg of lamb and, uh, you know, we had it in there and we said to the guys, right, okay, we're going to eat this at such and such a time. So John Teague and Kenny McKee, I think they'd gone out and said, right, oh, we're back at such and such. So they were taking longer coming back. So by the time they came back, my brother and I had sat down and ate the whole lot. <laughs> so they missed out on the leg of lamb. Um, so that was that one but there was another one with uh, with Kenny and that uh, as I say we shared the, the house in, uh, in Peterborough yeah and uh, it was just one of these quick quips you know he's having a bath you know as team players you do everything almost not all together but some of the things all together yeah and he just turned around to me and he said he says uh, have I got any soap in my hair and I says wee man have you got any hair in your soap <laughs> Because at that time he was starting to lose his hair. Sure, yeah. <laughs> no, there is a there is a few there is a few ones uh, on the road, but the things that I can't really say on. <laughs> right. So, so what happens on the bus stays on the bus. You say. Yeah. Well, there's a bus as well, but then you've got to remember at Nottingham. I couldn't believe this. They they actually chartered a train. Oh to yeah. Take us up to Blackpool. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, a little hick guy from Avi Moore, and all of a sudden we're going up to play Blackpool, and they decided to chart their train. So I think <laughs> the train, I think it had uh, two or three carriages, yeah. and it was the players and the supporters. Right. So we had the day in Blackpool. It was great. <laughs> Plus a game ice hockey again, and one of the worst rigs you can think of. Nice, yeah. But uh, that was another one, yeah. yeah. They, they, they chartered the train to go from uh, Nottingham to Blackpool. So that was good fun. Wow. 
that actually leads me on to the next question, because the next question is, what were the worst ice rinks you've played in? Oh, well, yeah, there's no... Uh, Grimsby and also, well, Blackpool. Yeah, yeah, it's... I mean, I think that one... I think that one takes a biscuit, actually. I mean, it's just a... It was a stage rink, really. You know, you, yeah. you know... Well, actually, yeah, you're up against the stage when you're at one end of the rink. Um, it, was, it was shaped like a bullet. Um, right. You know, just rounded at one end and then yeah. just straight across. And I... Th- think they just put the goal straight up against the stage so you couldn't actually go around the net you know oh, right. <laughs> nice and then you went in the corners and as soon as you hit the puck it just it just hit the boards and that was it it was flat it was just it was yeah. just crazy and then we played grimsby and i think as i said we uh it was better if we played three on three all oh, right that's what you know when you think about it you've got 18 guys there and you've got five on five yeah and you've got one of the smallest rinks there is wow it was just horrendous and I think that possibly was the first year at um, Peterborough, I think it was, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, the olden days, you go back to, you're playing your Cross Maloofs. I mean, well, we used to skate there. I was going to ask you about Cross well. Maloofs. Yeah. Uh, you, you would have skated there many times, I would have thought. Oh, I, I, well, I, as I say, I skated there when I was a, a kid, when my mum was doing her yeah. um, training. Well, that ring was huge, wasn't it? Oh, massive. I thought Avi Moore was big. Yeah. You know, your Murrayfields and your uh, Kirkcaldys is on similar similar but Aviemore was a little bit bigger but cross Maloof huge yeah and yeah it was i must admit as the wee man had said it was a dump but it was his home so <laughs> you know he can keep his dump <laughs> yeah <laughs> more ways than one <laughs> but uh, no yeah yeah like you say cross Maloof and as, as many of the guys have said before yeah the christmas tree in the middle of the rink as well wow uh, that's surreal and mum mum used to come out with stories and that saying that when she used to train there yeah, she'd have all the ice hockey players and speed skaters, right? Because they had they had a speed skating club as well. At the yeah. Cross and as it turned out, one of the guys who used to speed skate moved up to Harvey Moore. He knew the he knew the family, he knew my mum and everything. So, um, she used to well, she used to skate around that rink faster than the speed skaters half the time. Anyway. <laughs> well, okay, let's move on to the next question then. And who was the best player you ever played with or played against? Well, when I, when I actually went to Peterborough, playing with Al Sedutris. Oh, right, yeah. Uh-huh. I played with Al because, uh, well, Johnny, the way he kind of described it was I was classed as a fourth import. Right, uh, yeah. Basically. Uh, but I enjoyed it. Al was uh, unbelievable. Because Al, Al Sid was a top goal scorer, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the top. He was just, I mean, back then and that, that either, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. But then, I mean, you've got other you've got other guys that we've played against like way, way back. I mean, you, you're playing against the, like your Roy, Roy Halpins and all these kind of guys uh, back in the day. Um, Ungi, I must admit, great guy to be with on the same team. Hard guy to play against. I was Chucky Taylor as one of the hardest guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think Chuck and I came off a few times, but I came off worse. <laughs> It was a hard player, wasn't he? Anytime we played, well, I, I always wanted to be in the front of the net. Yeah. <laughs> he made sure I wasn't in front of the net. <laughs> yeah. You know, by hook or by crook, I wasn't going to be standing there, but I'd do my best to stay sure. as long as I could. <laughs> but, you know, I must admit, yeah, there is there is quite a few guys that have um, that we've played with. Shannon Hope, I, I enjoyed playing with Shannon as well, defensive-wise, you know. Yeah. He's always a heads-up heads up player looking for the passes and whatever else. Um, yeah. There's quite a few, actually. (laughs) Is there a player you would like to hear on the show? Tell Ken now at oldtimehockeyuk.com or Facebook forward slash oldtimehockeyuk.
What about pranks? What's the best pranks you've seen or experienced or even taken <sighs> part in? Oh, God, see, I don't get involved in these kind of things, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, I don't get involved in any of these things. Uh, well, <clears throat> we, <laughs> when I came back to Nottingham the second year, I stayed in a flat with uh, Terry Gazunas and oh, yeah. Neil, uh-huh. Neil Mackay. Yeah. And uh, we, always, um, we always got together before training. And if it was on a Thursday, Thursday night, you had Top of the Pops. Yeah. One of the funniest things that ever happened with Top of the Pops. We're all sitting down. We all had a big uh, sofa in, in, the, in the flat, TV on the wall. We're all sitting around watching Top of the Pops before we go training. Big Gordy Partisan standing at the back of the sofa. And um, Boy George came on. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember the name of the group. Culture Club. Culture Club, yeah. All right. So <laughs> Culture Club was on. And Gordy's standing there. And we're all watching it, and we're all kind of singing along, Kama Chameleon, blah, 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 whatever yeah. it was. And uh, he just came out with it. I would love to give her one. And I was, <laughs> we were like, what? <laughs> and it was almost like, all the guys kind of turned around and says, what? That's a guy. <laughs> and we, he just, it was just the way it came out. Yeah. But, not, but the other pranks as well were in that apartment there. There was more signs in that apartment than there was on the side of the road. Oh, yeah. Any time we went out in nightclubs or whatever and we came back, we always brought a sign back. So that was, <laughs> oh, we right. walked into the building. There was a um, no parking police sign. There was a giveaway. Um, <laughs> there was, a, what was it? Uh, we had some, I think we'd taken something off a, a set of traffic lights. There was, yeah. there was everything in it. So that was the kind of other pranks that we used to do when we were there. But we were young, you know. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was a bit of fun. These things you do when you're young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've mentioned briefly your teammate and best friend for many years, the wee man, Kenny McKee. Yeah. I gather you first played against him way back in your junior days. I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, we, we all played there. Oh, we played against these uh, Glasgow boys. Um, it was... Uh, uh, well, they, they weren't the Dynamos because that was a senior team. Yeah. He was in the junior team. And then we played against the Dundee boys, the Fife guys, and um, the Edinburgh guys. I mean, coming from Aviemore, like, the, the equipment that we had is like, you know, the telephone book or your shin pads, yeah. ski gloves, because we couldn't afford any of these kind of um, the gloves and the equipment. Right, yeah. In fact, I think we played, I don't think we played any with helmets when we were kids anyway. Oh, ouch. But no, no, when he was, when we played uh, junior hockey, that, he was one of the dirtiest, dirtiest little guys. <laughs> I don't know if you've probably heard, but no, no, I'm going to see it anyway. You know what's coming. Um, yeah, he, he knocked my tooth out with a butt in. <laughs> right, yes. I gathered that he, was... He, uh... he denies it, but no, no. <laughs> but ever since then, we've just been the best. He is. He's one of my best, best mates ever. Over over the years, I actually reached out to him last week and asked him if he had a few memories to share. And here's what he had to say about you. Oh, boy. Kenny has the biggest appetite you have ever seen. He is a gannet. We call him Fossil in Peterborough, as he was yeah. the oldest guy on the team. Yeah. We have been friends for well over 40 years, and he still hasn't forgiven me for knocking one of his teeth out <laughs> in junior. Yeah. Despite what he says, it was not a butt-end. On a serious note, he nearly <laughs> killed himself doing a charity run in full hockey equipment. He yep. was really ill 
due to severe dehydration. Yep. A few years ago, we had a get-together in Peterborough, and the wee man, we call each other wee man, by the way, yep. stood up to make a speech. It was an incoherent rabble, but give him his due, he was about eight beers down, Everyone was laughing, yet he chose to throw a punch at me. He missed, of course. <laughs> Kenny McKee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that you could uh, you could see on that on yeah. that line. But no, we've we've had our we've had our days, still have our days, so we still get together now. And it is, it's. Uh, I think it's one of these things that's going to keep going forever and ever. Sure. You know, um, well, you're on about the, the the running thing. I don't know if you've got that on your your records. And, yeah, that was uh, that was scary. Uh, when I did the, the half marathon, well, it was half a half marathon. I only managed seven miles. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then ended up in... So was that in summer then? That was in the May, I think it was, a Peter right. half marathon. Yeah. I did it a year before. Yeah. And I thought, I'm just going to do it as a challenge. So I did it for the Asthma Society. Uh -huh. And um, I thought, I'll do my ice hockey kit. And it turned out a nice day. But I, th I thought I had them set up the way it was. Yeah. You know, I got a bit of air going through me and whatever else, but no. Seven miles, I hit the deck, didn't know anything Gosh. until Monday. Oh, uh, woke wow. up in the hospital on Monday night, I think it was, or yeah. late afternoon. I had wires everywhere. Um, and they reckon if I wasn't as fit as I was at that time, then yeah. I wouldn't be here today because oh. my temperature was, I think it was up near 40, 42 or something like that. Oof. Wow. So everything was uh, starting to cook inside. So it took yeah. me it took me quite a while to get back after, the, uh, after that. So that was amazing. Yeah. I couldn't climb stairs for at least, uh, I would say, about four weeks anyway. Wow. But it was for a good cause. That's the main thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> and I did get the money. Good. They did yeah. give me the money and only did half a half mark. You should have had double. So. Yeah. But as it turned out, I mean, that was, uh, when was that? That was, uh, what was it, 80, uh, 84, 85, yeah. 85, 86. I think it was in May of 86 it was. But uh, Right. Oh, I came back, came back stronger after that. But like you say, he's on about eating. If it wasn't for my sponsorship by the Nip and Cafe, <laughs> then I don't know where I'd be. <laughs> Used to go down and see Dave and Bridget. I've heard about this cafe before, yeah. Oh, the the nip in. Well, Dave was one of uh, was a sponsor for myself, and uh, I must admit, uh, when I, when that accident happened, when that happened after the run, um, I would go down to the nip in, and Dave would say, like, "What do you want today?" And I could only eat what I felt like I wanted to eat. Yeah. So I would go in there, and I'd maybe have gammon, a couple of eggs, maybe gammon steak or whatever. And then as the weeks were going on, it was more. <laughs> and the weeks were going on, it was more. <laughs> <laughs> Three meals a day. <laughs> and then he made you pay for it. <laughs> oh, then that was it, yeah. <laughs> Again, for the listener, I chat with Kenny McKee in Series 1, Episode 25. So all the good guys I tend to talk to, as you can gather. Anyway, let's get back to your timeline. The following season, 88-89, the Pirates were back in the Premier Division. Yeah. But I'm going to skip straight to the end of the season because the Pirates had finished bottom and had to face the Telford Tigers <laughs> in a new relegation promotion playoff format. And it turned out to be pretty dramatic, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, you see, right down to the wire, that one was. So let me fill in for the listener. The Pirates had won away in Telford, 14-12. But then in Peterborough, were 6-1 down at the end of the second period. And so losing 18-15... On aggregate, I mean, did you think you'd blown it? Yeah, it was uh, it, it was tough. I mean, it was. I mean, but it's one of these games that you, you just dig in and you yeah. you try and find that that little extra. Sure, yeah. And I think that's what it was. It was like it was do or die, and we thought, right, there's no way that we're ever going to let this go, and we just we just dug down, dug down. I don't think we've. I don't think any of the guys have actually experienced anything like it. 
after an incredible 6-2 third period, obviously everything turned around and Gary Unger scoring the game-winning goal just 90 seconds before the end. I mean, that must have been a hell of a game. The fans must have raised the roof. Oh, at, at that point there, I mean, I don't think we could hear ourselves. We were just, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember if we actually took a time out just before it. I'm not yeah. sure. But I mean, I know that, I remember Gary was saying that, uh, I think Bidzi was playing centre at the time. I think was up front with uh, Bidzi and, and Ungi. And yeah. it was like, um, all he said was, get me the puck. I'll score. Just get me the puck. Wow. And um, it was one of these ones where, as I say, uh, I went straight to the front of the net because <laughs> go front of the net, you could take uh, Chucky out. So Chucky, sure. you know, make sure that he goes anywhere near the rest of the guys. And then next thing, uh, Bidzi gets a pass back to Ungi and that's it, the snapper. That was right, it, job wow. done. Yeah. You know, and it was just a matter of, like you say, it's 90, 90 seconds before the end of the game. As soon as we had face-off in there, we had to make sure that we had the puck and nobody else was going to get it so we could win it. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. And it was just, oh, I mean, I'm amazed that the, the roof never came off the, the building that night. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. The next couple of seasons saw the Pirates consolidate their Premier Division place. Both seasons only missing out on the playoffs by the odd point or so. So let's skip those and move on to the 1990-91 season and new coach, Rocky Saganuk. What do you remember about Rocky? Well, Rocky, I mean, uh, I would say he's probably one of the best coaches that we've ever had. Well, I've ever been under in that that sense Um, because... What Rocky would do, he would actually find your strengths and your weaknesses, but then turn your weaknesses into your strengths. Oh, you know, I think that season I played, I played quite a lot of defense that season. And then it, the, we came to the playoffs and then he, he says, right, you get up front. Um, so, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, you've got to, you've got to do what you got to do. Sure. Yeah. Know? And that season, it was it was a tough one. But then we were getting to the point. I think it was halfway through. We had the, we had the. You know how you get a little glint in your eye, thinking, right? I think there's a good chance of us getting here, guys. Yeah. You know. So it was a matter of I think the second half, we actually dug we dug in deeper. But he made sure we did because he he worked us hard. Sure. He worked us really hard. Yeah, I gather he's a workaholic. And it was worth it was worth it it was worth it at the end of the day. I mean, if if we had a bad game, <laughs> we knew what was coming. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. I mean, racing round the, the nets. I mean, I, I remember one night we, um, I think it was another Ron Carter night where we didn't see any packs, but it was just skate, skate, skate. Just constant chasing around the nets, bring them closer, chasing around the nets, up and down boards, the whole lot. And, um, you know, it had to be done. Sure. You know, it, it basically, he was actually bringing everybody back down to the basics. Because I think at that time, there was a couple of games, I think we thought, we're above it. Yeah. And he said, nah, no, you're not. You're nowhere near it yet. Yeah, brought you back down to earth. Yeah. And that's what he did. He just brought you back down, but then he, he, he got the best out of you. Um, and that's what you have to do. You just, you know, and, uh, and, and I was prepared to work harder because I didn't want these young young bucks that were coming up to take my spot. There's no way they were going to get that. <laughs> well, it certainly worked because the Pirates had a league best ever finish Mm-hmm. Uh, a third place and made it through to the Wembley weekend playoff finals, another first. Yeah. But then had to face a semi final with reigning playoff champions, the Cardiff Devils. I mean, do you remember that game, the semi final? Uh, yeah, well, because I'm playing against some of my uh, mates from Aviemore. 
and former pirates as well. Yeah, yeah, you're playing against, yeah, you're playing against the guys that actually, your, your mates, whether they're you're against you or, um, you know, for you. I mean, for the Devils, you've got John Lawless, you've got Shannon Hope, Paul Heavey, yeah. Doug McEwen, Peter Smith, and Jason yep. Wood, all have yep. played for the, the Pirates previously, and Pirates legends. Because that's right, that's right, because Pete, Peter and, uh, and Paul, they went down, that's right, yeah, they joined them. Yeah. And that was, that was tough. Because um, Paul Heavey, he, he's a he's a tough guy. He's a tough guy to play against and all the rest of it. But again, I think Rocky had the he had it all he had it all up in his head. He knew exactly what uh, what he was doing for that game. Yeah, and um, he made the right decisions, and you know we got through it, and it was great to actually be in the final. Well, you won seven four. Period yeah. scores were one one, one two, and then you took the third period. 5-1. Uh, I actually was at that game. I remember seeing it. And uh, I think if I remember rightly, uh, Danny Shea just went nuts and everything he took seemed to go in the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I would say, because it was our first game at Wembley, I would say the first period was probably one of the nervous, yeah, nervous periods that we ever had because it was just trying to get back in. I think if you if you watch the game, and I think there was a, quite a lot of mistakes in our behalf as well, right? Um, trying to go forward. And uh, I think once we got into the swing of things after the second period, it was like, you know, okay, guys, do we want it? Let's go and get it, you know. Right, And yeah. that's just the way it worked. And we, we got the openings and, and Danny, like, oh, like you say. He was red hot. As soon as he picked up a puck and it touched his stick and that, you know, and the next thing he was going towards the net. Want more old-time hockey? Connect with Ken now on Twitter at Old Time Hockey UK or on Facebook forward slash Old Time Hockey UK and visit oldtimehockeyuk.com. In the final, you faced the League of Norwich Union Cup champions, the Durham Wasps, who were going for the Grand Slam. However, within 1 minute 14 seconds of the start of the game, the Pirates took the lead, scored by... Myself. <laughs> what was that celebration you did? Oh, gee, where's Ken? Well, yeah, I'm the fossil <laughs> of, the, of the team. And I think, it, I'm, not, I'm trying to remember when I started. I don't know if it was the year before or was it that season. I think it might have been a few years back. Yeah. Because I was the oldest guy every time I scored. Johnny Lawless would shoot the clock. Other people would do other different I ended up doing the wheelchair because <laughs> I was the old boy. And I thought, right, okay, I have to do the wheelchair. And uh, I must admit, though, when I, when I scored that goal, Danny grabbed me and said, no, don't do it. I said, I am. I said, I'm never going to do it again. So I, just, I just had to do it. Of course. You'd never get away with it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything's too PC now. Ken. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but no, no, that was, uh, yeah, I, I'll never forget that one there. Doing the research, I, I watched the game and I knew you'd scored yeah. just after the first minute. And then I th I'm thinking, what is he doing? What celebration? It, I've never seen that before. <laughs> and then um, I thought, I must ask. So, yeah, but uh, but unfortunately, the lead didn't last and the team eventually lost 7-4. But, I mean, what are your lasting memories about that game? Uh, my biggest memory of that game apart from scoring a goal, was getting injured um, oh, in, in the first 10 minutes. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I got, I got uh, some of a Charlie horse, but it ended up with ligaments. Uh, oh, right. on, um, uh, I got hit by Stevie Cooper. Right, yeah. And 
I ended up going off the ice, but I think one of the commentators, uh, we watched a video and that, oh, it looks like he's winded, but I wasn't, I damaged my knee. Right. So I'd actually was sitting on the bench and I had old Bill Clever. I said, oh, you need to strap this up. So he actually tried to strap it up. Yep. And I stepped on the ice again. It felt like my leg from my knee down wasn't working. So I oh. went back off again, yeah. put on a brace and taped it up again and then eventually played the rest of the game. But and my own thoughts on that one there, if I wasn't injured, how would the game turned out, you know? Sure. It's always the what if. Because, I mean, at that point, I know myself how I put myself through a regime to be on peak fitness for myself for my age yeah but for that to happen oh sickness after 10 minutes it, it, was, it was and i tried my best after that but at the end of the day everybody else did and we and we all pulled together as a team yeah. and we're just unfortunate yeah the ivor and the guys they got a couple a couple of lucky goals as far as i was concerned <laughs> right but yeah durham were the team to beat weren't they oh yeah they were yeah yeah they were and the thing is i think through the season and we came close i think i'm not sure did we not beat them that year uh, as the season was on, possibly it was at Norwich I Union. I think there was Cup. one. Yeah, I think there Maybe. was a game that we'd actually. I think it was at nine seven or something. Like that. I can't remember. There was. Uh, I'm sure it was that year. Yeah, we took them, and uh, you know, we knew we'd done it before, so let's try and do it again. You know? Sure. Yeah. But I think they were really fired up from the night before because of the the incidents that happened. Well, the game was delayed, wasn't it? Yeah. Because they had uh, a problem with someone trashing their kit overnight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, some had, uh, or some people had trashed their equipment the night before, so. Yeah, I remember seeing a picture in the uh, Ice Hockey News Review of uh, Rocky Saganuk uh, sharpening skates for them because obviously none of you guys wanted the uh, no. to happen because Durham had come out even more fired up than they would normally oh, yeah. be anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't help you guys at all. No, it didn't. And at the end of the day, you know, you just you just kind of wonder how the game would have ended up or how yeah. it would have turned out if it was like normal, if yeah. you understand what I mean. Sure, yeah, yeah. So what did you think of the Wembley experience overall? Well, I thought Nottingham, that first game I played in Nottingham was hair-raising. Yeah. Wembley, totally different ball game. Oh, absolutely, wasn't it? Oh, especially first game against uh, Cardiff. I mean, it was. You're so nervous yeah. because you're at Wembley and you think, right, we've got to do this. But coming and playing the final, once you played the semi-final, yeah. it wasn't as if you were, you knew what you were getting into in the final, but you were more prepared because you already had the game the night before. If you understand what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, you weren't relaxed because you knew what happened. There was other things that happened prior to that. But yeah. coming to that game, you knew what the crowd was going to be like. So it was a little bit easier because yeah. it was your second time, if you understand what I mean. But sure. the first time it was like, wow, horrendous. 10,000 people just giving it yee-haw. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. yeah. From a fan's point of view, I don't think it could ever be beaten. We went to every every final from... 89 right through to the very last one, 96, when it was a Panthers-Steelers game. Because right. at that time, I'd opened my my shops. I had about three shops at that time. I was mm-hmm. selling hockey kit. I don't care what anybody says. These modern games in Nottingham aren't a patch on the occasion that Wembley brought. No, 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 totally. I mean, I, I think back then, the teams that played back then were like team everybody if we did anything we all did it together if you understand yeah. what i mean yeah sure so out with it you're always together like yeah. you know whereas now i think well the way i look at it individuality yeah. and, uh, and it's not it's not a team game it's more like a clinical game now yeah i get that as opposed to team camaraderie i mean the thing is you know back in the day for us like you know you're starting out at nottingham this new to the, the city again back in the city again yeah peterborough 
brand new to Peterborough. Oh, this will never work because it's a nice hockey thing. Oh, they're always <laughs> into football, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then boom, within two years, bang, the place is just a light. You know, they've got people coming to the games and more people coming to the games. But it was more of a, like a, the team were part of the Porters, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Everybody kind of knew it was, it was the, that, was, that was their club. And they were, they were all in it. You know, for everybody that was there because we all <laughs> you partied hard with the supporters and you always spoke to them. They were always there. Whereas now, I think it's uh, I think there's a separation now. Oh, there is because you know you just don't get teams enjoying a drink, a pint after the game with the fans. No, whereas that's always well, used to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is at Nottingham, as soon as you came out there, you know, you didn't turn left out the change of yours, turned right straight to, to the, the bar. bar. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. But that's it, Ken. Only if you could get to the bar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And it was, it was a feeling as we're all in it together. Yeah. Whereas, as you yeah. say now, it is us and them. Yes, which is, which is a real shame. Almost, I've not been down to a game for a few years actually now, and I, I just haven't. I don't know. I've, I haven't got the heart, the, the heart to go. I mean, obviously, COVID's got in the way, but even yeah, but so, that's... it's. Do I want to go down and see another game? Well, maybe I probably will do sooner or later. But I'm, I'm not burning to to get. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is you a shame, I but I mean, that. it is what it is. But uh, okay, moving on then, and. Not only was it the Pirates' best ever season, but it turned out to be your last game as a pro player. Had you planned it that way? No, not really, no. Because, because of the injury and everything else, I thought, right, okay, am I going to finish on a high here? Yeah. What I did was um, I thought, right, I'll head back home. So I ended up going back home and working with my stepfather in the butcher shop. But then I ended up getting physio. As soon as I arrived home, I was getting physio for nearly two months. Right. Uh, yeah. on, my, on my leg. And... Um, Eventually, it started to come back and getting a bit stronger. So I'd be out on my bike and, you know, get myself fit again. Yeah. Um, and at that time, I thought, right, okay, I've done it. I finished in a high, which I, you know, I thought, right, that was fine. Yeah. Um, I, I, because of my injury, I thought, right, am I going to come back from this or not? And I thought, oh, I left it. So I decided, no, I'll just, I'll just come back, work in the shop, play a bit of golf, see how things go from there. Sure, yeah. And, um, you know... I, I'm not saying I didn't miss it. I just wanted to get myself back into uh, uh, a bit more fitness again. Right. And then the guys up in Inverness, they said, right, do you fancy coming for a skate? And that was, I think that was the September, October time. Right, yeah. But then I made the decision I was going to stay there because originally when I was going home, I was actually going to come home and run the, run the shop uh, right. for my stepfather. Yeah. Uh, but then I was like a caged animal, Ken. <laughs> As soon as I arrived back there, I just wanted to be out. I couldn't. I couldn't because I was so used to doing my own thing. Yeah, sure. I couldn't stick in a. I couldn't stick in a, in a, in a shop. So yeah, you had to be out. You had to be free. I had to be out and, and be free. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, I must admit, after a couple of years, I think well, maybe I should have just stayed. And maybe I should have just gone. But then, then I just saw what happened to Peterborough. Just imploded after it after did, that didn't season. It? Yeah, you know, and I don't know if it was maybe a good idea that yeah. I did the right. I made the right decision then at yeah. that time. But then, when you hear what happened afterwards, I thought, well, well, maybe it was a good thing, you know. Yeah. So basically, the Wembley final was your very last pro game, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. But yeah. you say it's, it's nice to go out on a high. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'll never forget that. Absolutely. Okay. So there's just a few more questions to ask. But before we finish, is there anything else you'd like to talk about that I haven't covered? Well, when I was skiing, I used to ski when I was a. a Played ice hockey, well, when I was about maybe six or something like that, six or seven. And then I 
did my skiing and I'll yeah. be more. Yeah, pretty good, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up, well, I'm saying that. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, all the under 13s championships I won in the in the season, and the penultimate was the um, the Bairns Bucket, which is the Scottish Junior uh, under 13. Um, won that, and then um, 1972. Uh, Ian Phillison, he became my coach. He went to Sapporo that year. And when he came back from Sapporo, he ended up being my coach. So he coached me through my teens up to 15, 16, under 16s. That was the, the junior championships. Yeah. So um, we went away abroad and did that for a couple of seasons and did okay in that. Ended up second in slalom, third overall uh, in the British Junior Championships. And then um, when I came back, um, I damaged my leg, so I couldn't ski in the rest of them. So then I thought, oh, maybe I'll start up ice hockey again. <laughs> so then I went and damaged my leg in the November. Broke oh, my nice. ankle the other side. So I broke my ankle on one side and broke it on the other side six months after. Oh, ouch. And that would be, I think that was, uh, what was I, 1677, I think it was. And then I did some pro skiing for about two months and then they changed the dates. So then I couldn't do that. And then I thought, right, ice hockey is what I'm going back to. So at 17, I started back at ice hockey again. Right. At 16, I started back at ice hockey again. Yep. And then I thought, right, that's it. I'm just going to channel myself and play hockey. And that's so we played summer leagues in that. 77, 78, 79, 80. They played summer leagues. But then we also had other games that we played. They tried to do like a Scottish league because we were against the Dundee and uh, Murrayfield, Glasgow, Ayr. You yep. know, we played all these kind of guys. And we actually went down to Whitley Bay. The Blackhawks had a tie-in with Solihull. Oh, right. I think it was uh, Roddy Bruce. He went down to Solihull, and uh, I was only 17 at the time, so it must have been 78, I think it was. And uh, we went down to play um, Solihull, and we went down on a Friday. I was uh, 17 at the time. And we went down with, I think it was, I don't even know if we had 10 guys. Because back then you could play six guys, and you'd still be able to play the game. Oh, right. And uh, yeah. as long as you had a goalie. Sure. And, uh, but... I was the young pup of the team at the time, and all the uh -huh. rest of them, they were into their drinking and the nightclubbing and all the rest of it. So <laughs> I remember going down there, and we, I stayed with uh, Roger Old, who was involved with Solihull at the time. Right. And I absolutely got my rack at 17 on sweet and dry cider, <laughs> a nightclub in Birmingham. Oh. And I did apologise to his wife because I was sick everywhere. I think we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Played the game the next day, and all I had on, on the bench was beer. And I didn't drink beer at that time, it was, and there's no water. Oh, so we played the game, but we've always had a kind of a tie-in to the Blackhawks. Remember a game against uh, Whitley Bay, actually. I can't remember if Robin Andrews was there at the time, but I think he was there the season before H eighty one. Yeah, he was certainly there then. Because I remember we went down, we played a game against Whitley Bay. Yeah, and we only went. We had eight players and a goalie, I think it was. And I'm sure Whitley was in the league. It was a league game that we played. Yeah, yeah, it was league games that we played. The way we played it, I think it was a northern kind of league. I think Durham, Whitley Bay, Billingham, they were all kind of in it. And um, they said to us, oh, we'll give you a couple of players. We'll give you a couple of players, but we'll take the points. <laughs> nice. You can imagine what the reaction was to that. Oh, I bet. We ended up winning that game. Oh, right. And that was against all the Alfie Millers and all the rest of it at Whitley Bay. They were a tough side, Whitley Bay. Yeah, the three-line uh, hockey team. And we had we had seven or eight guys. Right. And we played and, and uh, we beat them that night. So you guys must have been fit. Well, I mean, the Whitley Ice was, was big, but Aviemore was a little bigger. Yeah, right. I mean, when we were up there, I mean, I remember uh, myself and Gavin Fraser, we were out skating one day. Just out having a skate with the public and all the rest of it. And Jack Driver was, uh, he was the manager at the time. 
And Jack, oh, I'll never forget Jack. Great guy. Helped us a lot. Took, brought us along really, Sorry, really Jack. well. Sorry, Jack. Jack Driver. All right, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was he was our father father figure when it came to the ice hockey for Avi Moore. Like, and, uh, right. Yeah. I remember myself and Gavin were out there having a skate and have a bit of a fun and all the rest of it. Well, he came in and he ripped us. He pulled us to the side. He says, right, you guys. I says, I don't want to ever see this again. If you're coming out here and have to skate, you will skate properly. And we're going, what? <laughs> You will practice your long strides up the ice and you'll practice your short crossovers at the top of the ice. And that's what you're going to be doing if you come on here. You can't be mucking about this, that, and other. That's what you want to do. And, you know, he was, he was right. You know, yeah. you know, you're public skating and you were, that's when you learnt your tricks and different things, you know? Right. But then again, he would, uh, you'd also get us to try and jump the curling circles and stop before you hit the boards. Yeah. I interviewed Gavin Fraser in episode, series one, episode 22, I think it was. And uh, he was so funny. Oh, Gavin. Oh, we're still in we're still in contact. I still speak to Gavin every now and then. Yeah. And, uh, Is he still doing on. his patron decorating? Well, I spoke to him. In fact, I spoke to him there two weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, and I says, ah, oh, you still? Oh, he says, I'm not doing any of that now. He says, well, I don't know if I believe him or not. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing. But no, no, Gav, he's gone through the, he's gone through the wars and we're talking about shoulders and knees and oh, yeah. eyes and all this. And so I'm going to call him a $6 million man now because he's had his eye, <laughs> his knee, his shoulders, <laughs> yeah. everything done. But no, Gav and I, we were, when we were younger, we used to hang about together and everything else. So that was, it was fun back then as well, you know? Yeah. But no, he is funny. The things he comes out with is unbelievable. Really nice guy as well. Oh, yeah. Salt the earth. Uh, moving on then. And uh, do you miss not playing the game these days? Who said I haven't stopped? Ah, right. I had a feeling you may still be playing uh, red hockey. <laughs> Never jump the gun when you're speaking to the fossil boy. <laughs> Let me rephrase the question. Do you still enjoy playing the game? <laughs> yeah, I do, but I've hurt my shoulder right now, so I'm not playing just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting actually getting physio at 2 o'clock this afternoon, kid. <laughs> you will play these dangerous sports. Oh, no, no. I can't keep away, man. You'll never keep a good man there. Uh, no, no. I try and keep myself in uh, half-decent shape. But no, no. I still go out and skate with the guys. Yeah. And now that they've got a small rink in Avi Moore, yeah. uh, they've got a marquee type over it and they've got a small rink that they've got. Right, because they demolished the old one, didn't they? Oh, ago. they demolished that way back. I think it was 98, 99. Was it? Right. it? Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. I haven't, I haven't stopped, Kent. I might stop <laughs> for maybe the summer, but then I might go and have a skate with the guys, but it's still the same. Same right. old, same old. As soon as I put the gear on, it's a totally different world. Even the young guys now, I says, oh, you know, they're trying to trip me up and knock me over and all that. Yeah. But I says, come on, guys, I'm 60. Oh, just leave me alone, <laughs> will you? <laughs> Give me some space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last question, Kenny. And uh, before we conclude, apart from playing hockey, what are you doing these days? Well, I'm working. I've got my own little company going. All right, yeah. Selling industrial products. Yeah. Well, the company's been on the go since 2002. I was an agent for uh, a chemical company out in Aberdeenway. Yeah, for X amount of years, and uh, I went my own way five years ago. Right, and I'm doing my own thing now. So it's um, you know things are things are moving along right in the right direction. So what is your business called? It's called Chem Distribution Limited. That's Kilo Echo Mike Chem uh-huh. Distribution Limited. I thought I'd give you a quick plug on that. So if anybody's yeah. listening to this, and uh... and if you're looking on, if you want to look on a website, it's uh, yeah Chemical Kenny dot <laughs> UK, and it starts with a K E M. Right. So it's chemicalkenny.co.uk. Clever, clever play yeah. words. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. And thank you so much for coming on the Old Time Hockey UK podcast. Thanks very much indeed, Ken, for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Well, thanks again, and I'll catch you later. All the best.
Cheers for now. Memories, insights, and anecdotes of hockey heroes. The Old Time Hockey UK Podcast. Apologies for the dodgy sound, by the way. Kenny, I think you could really do with a new headset mic. Anyway, thanks for a very enjoyable interview, Kenny. This is the 75th episode of the Old Time Hockey UK podcast. If you'd like to listen to any of the previous episodes, they're all available for free on Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you prefer. Have you visited our shop recently? You'll find vintage Powerplay magazines, ice hockey news reviews, ice hockey annuals, and other hockey books, plus UK hockey card sets and individual NHL player cards, all available in our shopping section. There's also t-shirts and sweatshirts too, all at giveaway prices. You'll find plenty of these goodies at www.oldtimehockeyuk.com forward slash NSNS for new shop. So that's www.oldtimehockeyuk.com forward slash NS, N for new, S for shop. Why not check it out right now? It's shout out time. Today's shout out goes to all of my Patreon patrons. To Paul Blackburn, Tommy Ball, Oscar Brownsword, Rob Clayton, Colin Dunn, Susie Hatch, Sean Holland, John Hume Spry, Jeff Povey, Chris Saddington, and Andrew Williamson. You really do help keep this show alive. Thanks, guys. It's so much appreciated. Okay, so what else do I need to mention? Well, there's our email sign-up box on our website, and then there's our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages too. Simply search for Old Time Hockey UK. Plus, all links are available in this episode's show notes. If you enjoy this interview, please give it a five-star review on iTunes. All five-star reviews get a shout-out on the show. A big thank you once again to Kenny McDonald for coming on to the show. And finally, to you, the listener, wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you'd like to hear from your hockey hero from the past, email me at othpuk at gmail.com. That's othpuk at gmail.com. And I'll see what I can do. Until the next time, I'm Ken Abbott, and I'll catch you later. Thank you for tuning into the Old Time Hockey UK podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we would be thrilled if you could head over to iTunes and leave a review and rating. If you would like to receive updates on future episodes, please join our mailing list at www.oldtimehockeyuk.com. Old Time Hockey UK. The puck drops now.